You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, episode 84. You are now entering into... This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 84 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. So this week we have some uh, online stuff that just came up. There's some television and some movie news. But before we get started, we have uh, Immemorial this week, uh, and it's uh, more than one, unfortunately. First of all... um, Actor Aaron Eisenberg passed away this week. He was 50 years old. He's had kidney problems in the past, and he just had a second kidney transplant. And so there, there really wasn't any kind of a announcement as, as far as uh, how he died, but uh, that probably had something to do with it. Uh, if you're not familiar with Aaron Eisenberg, uh, he's mostly known for Deep Space Nine. He played Nog, who was the nephew of Quark. That character was like the first Ferengi to join Starfleet and, and all that. So he's always under makeup, so you may not recognize him it's, if that's the only thing you know him from. Right. And so uh, he passed away this week. Uh, also, um, who also passed away, um, celebrated uh, animation producer J. Michael Mendel uh, passed away at 54. He uh, is mostly known for his work on The Simpsons. He was one of the producers for The Simpsons, and uh, he was working on the Tracy Allman show when they brought The Simpsons on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, recently he was working uh, with Rick and Morty, and so uh, he passed away. And and this especially hit me, and, and uh, of course, we talked about right, this on Brian just, Ru- uh, Ruins mm-hmm. the Movie, but uh, Sid Haig passed away at the age of 80. He was having health issues for a while, and uh, of course, I I've had had the opportunity to meet Sid a few times at conventions, and uh, he was always uh, an awesome person to talk to. And it's amazing that uh, and this is something, of course, in horror uh, when you meet horror actors and writers <laughs> that uh, they play these horrible characters, uh-huh. they create these horrible characters, but then you meet them and they're like the nicest the people sweetest, ever. sweetest, nicest people. Yeah, and Sid was definitely that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loved be- he loved interacting with the fans. He was just a, a wonderful guy, and of course, he will certainly be missed. So, well, let's talk about a few things that popped up online uh, this week. Um, of course, there was an Infinity Saga sort of a uh, trailer i guess you could call it a trailer from san diego comic-con it's it was sort of a uh uh um a best of of um of course the 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 years and years of the marvel movies hmm. and it was um just sort of like a wrap-up of everything and it played at uh, Comic-Con, and it just came out um, online this week. And so if you've not had a chance to see it, like I said, it's... Uh, uh, Gosh, it, how long is that? Well, it's not... I mean, it's like a... It's about the length of a regular trailer. But really? like I said, wow. it, it's it's uh, it's basically covers uh, the majority of the movies. And it's just sort of... Like I said, it's... Uh, just gives you a, a broad overview of everything that happened from Iron Man all the way to Endgame. Mm-hmm. And you get to see scenes from just about everything, and uh, it was uh, it was pr- 
pretty. Uh, it was enjoyable to watch, and uh, like I said, it's out there now. If you've not had a chance to see it, you can definitely go out and check it out. And of course, I'm a huge fan of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Right. And this week they put out a Peter Porker, the Amazing Spider-Ham. And I'm going to show my age. This is actually before my time, but. There was a time before the movies, they'd show a little animated feature before the movie. Oh, yes. I remember that from uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Right. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They both had Roger Rabbit shorts in front of them. Right. Well, there is a Spider-Ham caught in a ham short online feature. Oh. And it's put together very much like the old Warner Brothers uh, features that would, you know, appear. (laughs) There's definitely a lot of nods to Bugs Bunny and that sort of thing. It's hilarious, and it gives you an idea of what Spider-Ham was doing right before the point where he got he got sucked through the portal and, <laughs> and brought into Miles Morales' world. But it's hilarious. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and if you haven't had a chance to check that out, check that out also. You see that in front of a lot of Pixar movies. Yeah. A lot of Pixar movies. I mean, some of, really, some of their best stories are in those little teeny shorts. Um, the very first one was The Lamp that, of course, became their icon, and... Oh, all kinds of, you know, cute little things. One man band, all all kinds. Yep. Oh, yeah. And um, something else that uh, came out uh, as well is there's a new website that's out now. um, And if you've not seen Spider-Man Far From Home, I'm afraid uh, I I have to at this point. uh, I'm going to ruin basically the mid-scene stinger that came out. And I have to to talk about this, but... One of the things in that in that uh, stinger was you got to see J. Jo- uh, Jonah Jameson, played by J.K. Simmons, who, of course, played uh, him in the first yeah. one. Mm-hmm. So he pops up. But he pops up. Basically, uh, the Daily Bugle is a web series. So he does videos, <laughs> like on YouTube, you know. And so there's a website out now called thedailybugle.net. So if you want to watch videos of J. Jonah Jameson talking about how terrible Spider-Man is... Followed by, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> you can check it out now. And I've been watching a few of those videos. They're hilarious. Like I said, it was a, it was a big shock to see J.K. Simmons come back to play to play Jameson, but it was wonderful. It was a great little Easter egg, and the way that they brought him to date, I thought was was great. And apparently, we're going to get more of that now. So uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, TheDailyBugle.net. Something else that came out. Netflix released a blooper reel for Dark Crystal Age of uh, Resistance. Oh, I can't wait. I mm-hmm. love that. Yes, it's it's really hilarious about all the weird stuff that was uh-huh. happening on set. And, of course, the puppets interacting with the people, uh-huh. you know, uh, setting up scenes and everything else. I think else. I've only seen one for... Uh, Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas. Uh, yes. I think that's the only that I can remember seeing um, Muppet uh, blooper reel. Oh and yeah, and I love that. Well, oh, I will, cannot wait to see oh, it. Oh yeah, you will definitely, you will definitely love this. There's just a lot of great stuff going on, <laughs> going on in that. So yeah, def- that's definitely worth a uh, checking out for sure. Now uh, a little bit of a different something. There's a a long running meme about people who give grief to people who who play D and D who play fantasy football (laughs) and there's been a lot of people point well there's been people pointing out the fact that hey you know you don't like D &D, but you play fantasy football same thing it's kind of the same thing right Mm -hmm. but for the geek watchers out there who are of two worlds who enjoy their D &D, they enjoy their role-playing games but they also are kind of into fantasy football and you're wondering 
How do I make that choice? How do I decide what side of the fence? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to make that choice anymore. You can have the best of both worlds. Because directors Joe and Anthony Russo and ESPN's Matthew Barry decided they wanted to run their own fantasy football league. Now, the fantasy football league is basically open for people who have been in Marvel movies, who have played Marvel superheroes. And they're playing for charity. So whoever wins the fantasy football league, they get the money goes to the charity that they choose. And so you've got Chris Hemsworth who has a team. You've got uh, Chris uh, Pratt who's got a team. Uh, 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 Tom Holland is he's uh, he's currently playing and he's currently dead last. Uh, I was about to say, did they have to explain to him that it's not soccer? <laughs> Well, apparently uh, they forgot to do that. Uh, he's dead last, but uh, mm-hmm. he's still in there. Um, this why is... are they using the hands? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, isn't that cheating? And and why is the ball so, so funny shaped? But uh, why are they why are they playing with a rugby ball? Isn't this football? <laughs> but uh, it's worth watching just for the trash talking. Right now, we are having the, the trash talking that's going on between Karen Gillum. And Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is worth the price of admission. They are going at each other's throats right now. And it's amazing. I mean, seeing Karen Gillum talk trash is is uh, uh, wonderful to go. But to watch her and Ryan Reynolds going at because they're playing each they're playing each other this week. And so the trash talk is going hot and heavy, and they are both I mean, they're amazing. So this is definitely worth a follow, you know, following social media, Instagram, just just to see the two of just to see all the trash talking. Ryan Reynolds seems uh, he of course, he's a classic trash talker. Chris Pratt went after him last week. And and uh, Ryan's response to that was. So between one and smoking your own kid's uh, pajamas, how bad do you want to win this one? <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, just for the trash talking alone, it's just wonderful. to. Uh, it's just great just to follow this. So, I mean, it's definitely out there in different places. So, you know, go looking for it because it's, it's just amazing. Something that I saw this week that I wanted to bring up also is... The West Craven Estate just got the rights back for Nightmare on Elm Street. Hmm. And okay. when I read that, I was like, wait a minute. How, how did they... Don't you have to... I mean, I know that the rule is... I mean, you have to wait like 35 years before you can... Oh, yeah. 35. <laughs> it has been 35 years, hasn't it? <laughs> and, and I just felt real old at that point. <laughs> I believe New Line still has international rights for distribution, but... The domestic rights and and basically the character of Freddy Krueger now belongs to the to the West Craven estate. And so, does that mean that we ha- that we might see a new Freddy Krueger movie? Uh, who's to say? I have heard speculation for many years, like you know Robert England wanting to come back and do like an older Freddy or or something, or being haunted by Freddy. I've heard you know things like that, but oh, nothing yeah. nothing special. Nothing. Well, I mean, you hear rumors uh, back and forth, but mm-hmm. nothing's really. Uh, panned out but now that the west craven estate owns that character you know they can do pretty much whatever they want with it and so if they want to take it to another studio who wants to develop the the character they can certainly do that but uh yeah like i said it, it was just a it was just a piece of news that made me feel like really 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 old so now we, we've been talking about the um a lot of what's been going on with the uh the streaming wars at this point uh 
one thing that, uh, of course, uh, Apple had their uh, their conference, and they talked about a lot of things that was go- that has been going on, including with Apple TV, and they said th- something that really ticked me off oh, <laughs> because no. uh, personally, I, I don't think this is going to upset anybody else but me, but. They have decided that, uh, of course, the Apple Plus service is going to be like four ninety nine a month. But if you buy if you buy a uh, an Apple TV or uh, an iPhone or uh, an iPad or uh, an Apple, if you buy mm-hmm. something, you, then they'll give you like a year of it for free. So it's after buy you know if you buy one of these after September the tenth, uh-huh. and I of course bought myself. You already a, have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I bought it on September the 8th. You, you need to, like, call up and, and fuss and complain about that. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I, I I just, you know, of course, I didn't know that was coming. And if I had, I probably would have waited a couple of days mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But uh, there was some news that, of course, we've been talking about Hulu and that they were going to be creating some new Marvel TV shows. And we talked about Ghost Rider. And apparently Hulu has decided they're not going to do Ghost Rider anymore. What originally was being said was there was creative differences, which is basically uh, Hollywoodies for something else is happening, but we don't want to talk about it. So we're just going to call it creative differences. But apparently there was um, there was a new report basically out there that said that the reason why everything fell apart was because Kevin Feige has decided he wants to bring ghost rider into the marvel cinematic universe in other words he doesn't want to do it as a tv series he wants to use ghost rider in the movies and so that was the reason why they ixnayed the the tv show now whether or not they're going to you know they were going to use the same actor that they had in agents of shield so you would have the continuity the, well you'd have the continuity but also there's different versions of ghost rider and of course he's the one who's the the Mexican-American who drives a, a hot rod. And whether they're going to use that character in the movies or if they're going to go back to Johnny Blaze, I, I don't know. But but apparently that's that was the reason why um, Ghost Rider's been taken off of Hulu. So speaking of Kevin Feige, apparently he um, there has been a lot of talk that he's currently developing a Star Wars film. Hmm. So, and we don't know anything about it. Mm. Now, we, we do know Kevin Feige... Star Wars fan, so, but we also know that he can be very creative. Um, not that there's anything to demonstrate any of that. Uh, you know, he his run with Marvel was okay, <laughs> so, but he he's definitely interested in doing a new Star Wars film, and apparently he has already talked to a quote unquote major actor about a specific role, but that's all we know. But uh, it looks like Kevin Feige is getting into the Star Wars business now. Obviously, he's not getting, uh, he's not leaving Marvel, uh, uh, Marvel uh, films, and he's still developing stuff for Marvel. But uh, uh, a little bit of uh, something that he wanted to work on. So I guess we'll find out more about that. I did want to mention this also because, of course, I'm a big fan of, of Fathom Events. And they just announced that for its 60th anniversary celebration, they're going to be showing six episodes of The Twilight Zone. Ooh. The old school Twilight Zone. And that's supposed to come out, uh, it's only going to be for one night, uh, November the 14th. Uh, I hope it's like all the most famous ones. Like, well, you know, gonna, It's a Good Life. And uh, Well, let me. I, I'll go ahead and tell you which ones that they are because they've already announced them. Uh, the first one's going to be Walking Distance. 
It's the one with the character of, uh, I think his name was Martin Sloan. Uh, he was a Madison Avenue executive. He stops his car at a gas station, uh, which isn't that far from a, a town where he grew up. And he decides to walk walk to the town, where, which he left about 25 years ago. And he meets his 11-year-old self, his parents. And he learns about, uh, I would say, I guess you could call it like nostalgia and mm-hmm. why sometimes remembering the past can be a bad thing. Right. It's not always what you remember. This isn't the one where he gets caught under a, a carousel, is it? I think so. Okay, I think that's yes. the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, they're going to show Time Enough at Last, if you remember that one. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, Burgess, Burgess Meredith. Burgess oh. Meredith. Yes, that classic one. The crying one. The crying one. Oh. Especially for us who enjoy <laughs> reading. Uh, they're going to show The Invaders, the one with uh, Agnes Moorhead. Oh, that's a great one. There's no dialogue in it whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. just her. Being attacked by fly- by miniature flying saucers. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Love Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Right. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Eye of the Beholder. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. You ha- big... If you're not going to do Twilight Zone, you mm-hmm. definitely have to show the... that one. And, of course, the last one, To Serve Man. It's a cookbook. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you just spoil it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mandy ruins the movie. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. So there you go. To Serve Man, Made Ingredient, uh, Soylent Green. Yeah. <laughs> so one last thing about television, and I don't know if you've had a chance to see this yet. This is going to be absolutely no spoilers. This is going to be my opinion. But I got to see season two of Disenchanted. <gasps> and how have you seen any of it at all? I have seen one episode. You've mm-hmm. seen the first episode. Yep. Yes, I've... Uh, I hadn't seen the first season of Disenchanted, mm-hmm. and I basically binge-watched the whole thing, uh-huh. season one and season yep. two, and I've seen some reviews about season one and season two, and I've seen a lot of complaints about, you know, they should focus more on Bean and less on, on some of the other characters, and I'm like, and I'm going to say this again, because I said this before about another show, but I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you're that you're spreading the world out mm-hmm. and that you're seeing stuff going on and you're getting you're getting arcs of development with other characters. Yep. And there's yeah, a that's lot- uh, Matt Grenning. He's a uh, he's a marathoner. Yeah. Yeah. And you can I mean, maybe not so much in The Simpsons in the early days, but I mean, you can really see it in Futurama, just the the early planning, you know, slow burn of, you know, and building that world up and that well, that universe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, they definitely expand the world out. And there's one episode, like I said, I would have I would say there's one episode when you see it, you'll know why it's my favorite, because it deals with a lot of passions that I have and things that I enjoy. (laughs) And I think. It will especially, Mandy, I think it, uh, you'll especially, uh, it will definitely resonate with you for a okay. lot of things. One, because some passions that you have. And two, because there's a moment where you go, oh, yeah, this is sort of, they are sort of in a medieval world, aren't they? <laughs> and, you, and you get hit with that. And you're like, oh, of course, that's exactly the way that would have happened because <laughs> this they're, they're in a medieval world. And that's the way it was back then. And it's like, oh, <laughs> no. But it also... Um, touches on a i'll say uh uh their version of a particular time period that's uh rather i'm rather fond of as well uh, a different time period although it's a medieval version of like i said this different time period okay um but uh, a lot of great stuff in this episode like i said a lot of things that that resonated with me and but they've definitely expanded the storytelling as well especially toward the end of uh the season Bean steps into a different world, let's just say. 
And I mean, a completely different world. And uh, interesting and fascinating that they went down this road because, like I said, it's it's basically a tone shift to what we're used to. But it also adds major complications, and of course, we get a a really strange cliffhanger, shall we say? There's no clean ending to this one. They are <laughs> they are charging the season three, but there was there were some things that developed that uh, uh, during season two that haven't quite been answered yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some questions definitely that have been brought up during the course of the season. Uh, I really enjoy I really enjoy Disenchanted. Mm-hmm. I know some people uh like again there's some reviewers that are like oh, why do they you know why don't they just focus on being completely and I'm like <laughs> yeah but I like the fact that they deal with these other characters and you know especially with Lucy and how he's his character the is demon devel- yes <laughs> yeah how his character is really developed oh, wow uh-huh. and um some of the changes that that he's been going through especially in the second season which has been Amazing. Yeah, and of course, Elfo and uh, the terrible things that happened to him and then season one and then basically the consequences of that in season two. And uh, it's it's definitely not something that uh, is easily just kind of brushed away, obviously. Like I said, there was a lot of, um, like I said, uh, character arcs with uh, the two queens, obviously, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and Zog. Uh, he goes through a lot of stuff, definitely, <laughs> and it's definitely worth uh, checking out. And I hope we get a season three really, really soon. Yes. So, one last thing I wanted to talk about, uh, and this is something that's been all over the news, and this was definitely something that I wanted to talk to you about, Mandy, because of course next week we get the Joker film, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much you've been following that online, but there's been a ton of controversy about this film. Oh, really? Wow. Tons uh... and tons. And it started with a letter that was sent to Warner Brothers from relatives and friends of people who were killed in the Aurora shooting. Now, for those out there who don't remember this, or it's been a, it's been a while, uh, July 12, 2012, during a midnight screening of The Dark Knight Rises, a, a gentleman went into the Century Aurora Theater in Aurora, Colorado, with a firearm and opened fire on the crowd. He opened fire on the crowd and uh, killed 12 people. And, of course, that... uh, Now, was he dressed as the Joker? Or did he just have green hair? I I can't remember if Mm -hmm. he was... If he's dressed... Certainly, he he claimed that he was identified with the Joker. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, these these people wrote wrote this letter, basically saying, you know, how dismayed they were that you have this Joker movie coming, especially with the way things are these days. They didn't really come out and say anything like, uh, you need to pull this film or whatever. They did suggest, you know, maybe donate some money to, you know, uh, to anti-gun lobbies and things like that. There was one person who, who said in the letter that seeing this film that basically glorifies this character who plays as an incel, you know, was like a, I, I, the actual quote was a slap in the face. And so this is really kind of, this is really kind of blossomed into a major debate at this point. In fact, there was one point where Joaquin Phoenix was in an interview and somebody asked, uh, the inter- the reporter asked, you know, how do you feel about the, the possibility that this film, the violence in this film might inspire actual violence? 
And he was really taken back by the question, so much so, in fact, that he left the interview for a, for a while. Because I guess, uh, I mean, obviously, he didn't really think about the th- that some, you know, that this film might cause any kind of violence. I mean, obviously, that wasn't his his thinking about it. But other people have talked about it. Uh, Todd Phillips, he weighed in on it. He's the director of the film. And a couple of things that he said was, you know, one is that there's a lot of violence in, in movies. And, you know, it seems like Joker is being um, is being singled out for it. I mean, nobody talks about the violence in John Wick. He mentioned that. But he, you know, he's he's weighed in on a lot of this. And he he doesn't really feel like that uh, people don't understand the difference between reality and, and, you know, a movie. It's gotten to the point where, one, the FBI, they did send a warning to U.S. military who go to see the film to warn them that that this could be a situation where incels show up, you know, with a gun. And, you know, what to do in that situation. So, and somebody as a joke, and I'm, let me point this out. A, a lot of people have been saying that this is for real, and I need to point out, you know, right off the bat, that somebody posted this as a joke, but they posted a, a early review for Joker and started out with, Joker is my Black Panther, and ta- and using incel language, about uh, being able to identify a character who, you know, uh, reminded him of himself and, you know, uh, and women, of course, who who uh, reject him for a Chad, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, all that all the yep. Chad, Chad and Veronica Chad's, and all those. Tyrone's, Becky's. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah all, all that, uh, all that type of a language. Mm-hmm. And it was basically somebody making a joke, but uh, the joke backfired because some people thought it was for real and they were posting, yeah, you're right about that. And it's like, that's, <sighs> that's a problem. And uh, of course, I always, anytime I hear about incels, I, I, it's upsetting to me because of course, you know, uh, incels are looked at as part of geek culture. That they think you know these are the people that play video games and 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 can't get a girl etc cetera, etc cetera. and of course anybody who's a geek knows that incels are not part of our culture at all those are a different set of cats with a whole uh, with a, a bunch of problems but I mean l- let me ask you since I I've brought a lot of this stuff up I mean as far as violence and art I mean nobody's seen the film except some reviewers but you know I haven't seen the film you haven't seen the film. Do you think that there's a possibility for violence being spawned by this movie and do the... Not that wouldn't have happened without the movie. Someone may get ideas from it, but, you know, it's the same thing as like, you know, well, video games cause violence and, uh, you know, (laughs) before video games ever existed, uh, there was just as much violence everywhere. So, no, if someone was going to commit an act of violence... They were going to do it whether they saw the Joker or not. You know, just a few years ago, we had Suicide Squad, you know, had the Joker in it, was doing, uh, you know, tying people down and torturing them. So if uh, that didn't inspire someone to uh, go out and do the same thing, if someone does, they were already going to. So this doesn't, they may get ideas that they didn't have before, but they were going to be violent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a, a chicken and the egg sort of a situation where, honestly, I feel like it. this is not where violent, uh, violence in movies is a cause for, you know, people going out and doing these things. I think people are going out and doing these things and they're using movies or video games or what. And, 
you know, of course, other people who are looking for answers to the to this to this question are using movies and video games as an excuse. Uh, and I think it's it's the it's the viol- it's the real world violence is is the cause. I think that's where it starts, and we're just using these other things to to explain it. I can understand why some people wouldn't want to see a killer be glorified in a movie or in a work of art. As someone who's not seen Joker, I just get the feeling from from people who've uh, reviewers who've seen the movie. That's not what's going on. I know some people have gotten offended by the thought that that you have this person who uh, who's a uh, the protagonist of the movie that by exploring the terrible things that he's gone through in life that you're humanizing this person. And to that, I would say, well, this person's a human being. They are human. And as hard as you know, as hard as it is to say, because of the implications of it. Everybody from the Columbine shooters on down, they were human beings. Now, they were human beings that did terrible things, but human beings do terrible things. And I think, honestly, a problem that, as society, we, that, that we need to come to grips with is that sometimes turning a person to, into a monster just so that we can cut them off from our psyche and say, well... They were, you know, they're not human beings. They're, they're monsters. They did this because they're, they're not like us. But the thing is, we have to come to grips with, they came from the same place we came from. And if we're going to solve this problem, we have to, we have to come to grips with that fact. And it's a hard, it's a hard fact to deal with. But the truth is, uh, especially in, in, in this time uh, and place, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if the Columbine... The Columbine tuning, if it did no, uh, nothing else, it certainly created this this zeitgeist of uh, you know this idea of being frustrated with the world and wanting to make a statement. Now, this was covered in art a long time ago, long before the Columbine tuning. Of course, Stephen King wrote uh, Rage. Rage, you know, as as Richard Bachman, where somebody goes into us, you know, which he kid. has said that he's glad that it's out of print and yeah, so. It was the worst thing he could think of, and now it's pretty much part of our our daily lives. I mean, the truth is, compartmentalizing this mindset and pretending like it's not a part of us, I think it impedes our uh, the possibility of finding some kind of solution. We've just gotten into this habit of compartmentalizing everything, whether it's political thought or anything else, of of thinking of this tribalism, of thinking us versus them. It's it's not helping. It's not helping. And I think understanding that um, just because you're featuring a, a troubled person in a movie, you're not glorifying them, if, especially if you're being honest with uh, what's gone on. Because the thing about it is a bad childhood or a bad situation or the fact you can't seem to manage to get laid does not justify actions such as that. And just showing that doesn't does not glorify it, at least to my mind. Mm-hmm. I saw an article that I found uh, fascinating about the about this was that uh, is that one of the reasons why this movie is catching a lot of grief is because it's a superhero movie that doesn't have a hero in it. I mean, <laughs> Batman doesn't show up in it. So if this were a superhero movie, maybe it might get a little more of a pass. Mm. But because you may not have a sympathetic character at all, everybody's flawed. It's too real. If they would have made it more superhero-y, maybe uh, it wouldn't have caught as much grief. And I, 
I think there's some truth to that. But at the same time, as a writer and an artist, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds. One, I think that an artist should be able to explore different subjects. I think art is at its, when it's talking about the things that are going on today, and it talks about real life problems that we're dealing with, because the way the human mind works and has since the beginning of time has been, we create stories to help us cope with things and to help explain things. And stories are how we come up with solutions. And I think as a, you know, it, if used properly, it's a, it's a good tool. I think at the same time, uh, used improperly, uh, it can be a really bad thing and it can exacerbate problems and make them worse. Now, what jo- uh, if Joker is a commentary that'll make us step back and think about what, what's going on in a, in, in a way that might help? Or if it's something that glorifies the violence that's going on and, and making a spectacle of it, and perhaps, again, maybe numbing us to what's going on, well, that's a bad thing. But I don't know which way it's going to go. I'm not going to know until a week from now when I go to see it. Or maybe a week and a half. I don't know. Open. I, I don't know about going opening night. <laughs> I don't. Because, you know, honestly, that is a thought in my mind that some person is going to get in their head that uh, oh, that life sucks and they want to be famous before they die. So I don't know. I mean, I hope for better things for sure. But uh, And I'm hoping, uh, again, that there won't be any news like that to report, you know, on the podcast. But uh, I suppose that we will see. We'll see. But uh, there will be uh, other things we'll talk about next week for sure. Um, of course, um, of course, we're recording on Thursday, and uh, this Thursday, uh, Shudder, they're showing their first episode of Creep Show. Awesome. I am definitely going to talk about yes. that next week for sure. So as, the, as news comes in, we will definitely talk about it on the podcast. So, And with that said, we come to the end of episode 84 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. From Mandy Patry, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>